1: I'd like to do our scripture reading this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand. We like to stand when we read scripture as we know it's from the Word of God. As we've been called and summoned by the King of Kings, hear his word. And here's what scripture says So Pilate entered into his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the King of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to you to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So says the word of God. God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're going to be taking our break from our regular scheduled uh, series that we've been working on the book of James, but with VBS I wanted to share and talk about who is the King of Kings as we shared that with children. I thought it was important for us to review that ourselves. As we talked about in Sunday school this morning, is. People are here for different reasons. Some of you are here because it's just something that you've always done. You always come to church. It's just your duty. Some of you come because your mother or your father made you. Some of you might be here because your children are here or something special is going on. But let me share with you what church is. Church is the calling together of the children of the king in order to hear his word, and to respond to His commands. That's why we're here this morning. That's why we come down and we respond with worship and praise. and We're submitting to His Word. And so I pray that that's your desire this morning, and if not, I pray that after this morning that that will be your desire and your commitment. In the booklet titled The Gospel Primer, Pastor Milton Vincent writes that the Bible informs us that God is immense beyond our imagination. It says that He measured the entire universe. Think of the Hubble telescope and all the pictures it's brought up. It says that of the immense spans of the universe, Scripture tells us that He measured the entire universe with merely the span of His hand. He is unimaginably awesome in all of His perfections, absolutely righteous, holy, and just in all His ways. Scripture informs us that God has been unbelievably good and merciful to me as the creator and the sustainer of my life. Every breath, every heartbeat, every function of every organ in my body is a gift from Him. Every legitimate pleasure that I experience is a gift from His loving hand to me. And all that I am and all that I have, I owe to Him and to His Goodness. My life is in every way, is, and will continue to be dependent upon Him in whom I live and move and have my being. This wonderful God, he writes, is the most supremely worthy object of admiration, honor, and delight in all of the universe. And that this King has created me with the intention that I might glorify Him by finding my soul's delight in Him, and by living in joyful obedience to Him in all of my ways. That's the King of glory. That's the King of all creation. In Genesis, Moses writes that God placed man to be His regent, His mediator over all of creation. He gave man and women the mandate to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and to govern it, rain over over the flesh of the sea and the birds of the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And the Bible tells us that He placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to watch over it. However, everyone, whether you're a churchgoer or a Christian, know the, the rest of that story and the fact that Adam and Eve failed as mediators of God's kingdom. We know that Adam sinned in rebelling against the creator of all things and his authority. He said, we do not want you to be king over us. But Adam was not alone in that rebellion. The Bible tells us that Adam's sin was passed down to all those that were born of men. His attitude of rebellion marks our own heart and marks your heart. Pastor Vincent comments concerning that scriptural truth when he writes, I could not have failed this great God more miserably than I have. And instead of giving thanks to the king, to God, and humbly submitting to his rule over my life, I have rebelled against him and have actually sought to exalt myself above him. Going my own way and living according to my own wisdom, I have broken countless times either the letter or the spirit of every one of God's Ten Commandments. And thinking myself to be wise, I have shown myself to be a fool. And because of my arrogance, God has every right to damn me to the everlasting experience of His terrifying wrath in the lake of fire." Let me share with you the bad news. Because of man's sin, because of our sin, because of our attitude and nature and heart of rebellion, we are all deserving of death. And from history past, man has attempted to justify himself and to regain some sense of covering his shame and guilt. Religions all around the world offer different types of solutions but to no avail. The Gospel Primer gets it right when he reads, So as for myself, apart from Christ, I am bound by the guilt of my sins, and also bound by the power of sin, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures. And apart from Christ, I am also utterly deserving of and destined for internal punishment in the lake of fire, completely unable to save myself, or even to make one iota of a contribution to my own salvation. That is the condition that each and every one of us are born into. Whether we are 100 years old, 50 years old, 30, 20, 10, or even one year old, to just a little baby is born in that condition. Rebellion resides in the hearts of God's creation. R.C. Sproul, who is a pastor, writes, Every sin, no matter how seemingly insignificant, is an act of rebellion against the sovereign God who reigns and rules over us and is such an act of treason against the cosmic king. You and I don't like to hear about kings, especially about America. We fought a whole war, did we not? To throw off the the bonds and the rulers and the kingdom of England so many years ago. And we do not like it when our presidents or our country tends to come to that imperial reign. We do not like people telling us what to do, do we not? But we do have a king. And there is one, a king, who rules over all things. And we have acted in treason and rebellion against him. The biblical books of Genesis and Exodus and Judges and Samuel, Kings and Chronicles record the history of man's attempt to rule. Their history is filled with unrighteousness, wicked kings that serve only to incur the wrath of God. The majority of them rebelled against the authority of God and they lead their people further into sin and their reigns are marked with injustice, warfare and death. And yet you and I, apart from Scripture, have experienced that in our history throughout time. We, too, live and are ruled by people that's marked by injustice, warfare, death, leading us further into rebellion against the one true king. Of course, you may ask, why do we even need a king? Again, that's something we really are not really wanting to have. Well, you and I, we need a king. You and I need a judge, a ruler, and defender to mediate God's kingdom to save us from the punishment of our sin and to make us right with God. We need one who can be ruled in righteousness and fairness and in love. And we see in scriptures that God said that there was going to be a promise of a king. Men, we scotted from the rule or from the, the, the work that God has given us. So God said, I will send one who will mediate my kingdom, one who will be that true king. And we see that in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And Scripture tells us that David, who was a good king, one who mirrored the one who would come, when it was near the end of his reign, when his death was near, God gave him this promise. He said, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me, and your throne shall be established forever. You see, the attributes of the king is that his house, his kingdom, and his throne last forever. We know that King David did have a son named Solomon, and he seemed to fit this mold, but not forever. For he did not last forever, he himself is in his grave. You see, the promise of a righteous king is that he would bring about justice and peace. And that was important. It's an important promise that Israel yearned for. It is one that the people looked for. And what I'm here to share with you is that promise that was given thousands of years ago was fulfilled over 2,000 years ago. And we see that in Luke chapter 1. Once again, follow with me. When the angel Gabriel stands before Mary, and shares with her that she's going to have a son. He says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his favor, who? David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom join with me There will be no end. You see, the kids learned this week in VBS that Jesus proved that he was the promised king. And he proved it when he showed his power in performing miracles, such as raising Lazarus from the dead, healing the blind and the lame, and feeding the 5,000, and walking on water. And he showed his love by taking our punishment for our sin, by accepting Worship and praise from man. And lastly, he proved he is king by rising from the dead and showing himself alive to his disciples. And so, what I give you this morning is that there is a king who's on the throne. He is the true king, the righteous king, the just king. And he is now in this time calling forth those of them that will submit to his rule. Jesus performs the king. You'll see that he does it by subduing us to himself in ruling and defending us and in restraining and conquering all his and our enemies. You see, that's the type of king that you and I need. Whether you know it or not, you need rescuing. You need to have your sins uh, forgiven. You need to have Christ's righteousness as your own. You need to be made right before God. The Bible tells us that the Lord said to my Lord, set at my right hand and I will make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. And you and I have many enemies, mainly death and the grave. We have the power and the penalty and the presence of sin that must be destroyed. But praise God, God, send a king who is strong enough and powerful enough to accomplish that on our behalf. And so I'm here to tell you who is this king of glory? This king of glory is Jesus Christ himself. He is the king. And I pray today that you would submit yourself to his kingship and to his rule. For you and I one day will meet this king and we will give account of whether or not we've heard his word and submitted to him. I'd like to share with you just three things very quickly about Jesus. The first thing I want to share with you is that Jesus will reign forever. Unlike any other king, he will not die and his reign will go off. He will not be one who's voted out after four, five, six, seven years. His reign is forever. And Isaiah says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end on the throne of David. And over his kingdom to establish it and to hold it with justice from this time forth and forevermore. Jesus' reign will last forever. Amen? We also see that Jesus will reign in wisdom. And this is something that you and I do not understand uh, as completely as we should. As we have men and women now who who rule over, who who are our government. But yet there's no wisdom. Wisdom. I would call them foolishness because they make plans, they make decisions not based on God and God's word, but they base it on their own wisdom. But Jesus will reign in wisdom. For Jeremiah tells us that the days are coming and they are here, I will add, declares the Lord, when he says, I will raise up from David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king and he will deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. You and I look in this land and many times we despair because there seems to be no justice. There just seems to be no fairness in the world. But yet one day it will be here when he reigns completely over all of the earth. And then we also see that Jesus will reign over all peoples and nations. He will not reign just over Israel. He will not just reign in the Middle East but all people, all tribes from all nations will bow before him. The Bible tells in Zechariah that his rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Jesus will reign forever. He will reign in wisdom, and he will reign over all peoples and over all nations. He will be the king of kings. But what we need to understand is that to this moment, you and I look around, And it does not seem that Jesus is reigning, does it? We can open up the paper. We can look at the news. And it seems like the world has gone crazy, does it not? It's gone amok. There just does not seem to be any type of fairness, justice, or any type of peace anywhere. Maybe that's the same way it looks in the mirror. When you look up in each morning or in your own household, when your household mirrors that very same thing. But let me tell you, is that Jesus' kingdom is coming. It's not of this world as yet. As we read in the scripture reading earlier when Pilate said, where is your kingdom? Jesus Jesus said, I am a king. And he says, for this purpose again, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Though his kingdom may not be in this world, we may not see it today, we must understand that his kingdom is still there. And what we see is that he will come again. And there's a difference between the first time Jesus came and the second time. The first time he came in weakness and humility, when Jesus comes again to set up his kingdom here on earth, he will come in power and in majesty The first time he came, he came to seek and to save the lost. But we see when he comes again, he'll come to judge and punish and reward. You and I need a king. We need a powerful king. We need one who'll come and not only take away our sin, but make us right before a holy God. And here's where I want to bring you to. For until that day when Jesus comes to reign on earth, he comes to rule and reign In our hearts and lives. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 17 if you would. This is something that you and I need to understand. In Luke chapter 17, verse 20, as disciples to say, Are you going to bring your kingdom? Are you going to make it an earthly kingdom? We see what Jesus says being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. What we see is we found in Colossians chapter 3, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Here's what I'm saying is that the king is here, and even though he may not have a geopolitical nation that he's ruling from, his rule is cosmic, it's universal, and where his kingdom resides at this moment is in the heart of his people. His reign expands with each heart that submits to his rule. So if you want to know where the kingdom of God resides in each and every one of our hearts. And let me tell you, as his people come each Sunday to meet in church, here is his kingdom. Hence why when church comes, it should be a place with no partiality, no favoritism. It's a place where everyone is cared for. It's a place where we love and we exhibit what God is doing in our hearts. You see, the kingdom of God goes where you and I go. It's portable, so to speak. It's in our workplaces. It's in our families. It's in our neighborhoods. It's in the individual things when we're all by ourselves and we think no one's looking. The kingdom of God resides in our hearts. And that's what I want to share with you today. Do you want the kingdom of God to be in your heart? Do you need that type of kingdom? Do you see the need for a savior, one who can can take that shame and guilt that you have that sin that resides in your heart, one who not only can forgive you of that sin, and that penalty, but one who can make you right with God. You see, we've been trying to make ourselves right with God for eons. We try to do it by doing good works, maybe even going to church or reading the Bible. We do it by going to Mass. We do it by lighting candles. We do it by observing certain types of sacraments and rules and regulations. But let me tell you, that will not make you right with God. For all those things are works. The Bible tells us that by grace are we saved through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. For there's nothing that you and I can do. The Bible says that we've all have fallen short of the glory of God and that we're all sinful. Not only in our actions, but in our attitudes, but in our nature. And Scripture says, a leopard cannot change his spots, nor can we. We cannot make ourselves right with God. And that's what religion does. It sets up a list of things that you can do that you can make yourself feel better. And you can for a while. I'll agree, there are things that you can do that will just calm your guilt and calm your shame. But let me tell you, it's only Christianity, only accepting Jesus is the only way that you can take care of that guilt and shame forever. Because instead of just blaming it away or putting it on our parents or just denying that exists, you and I know that big elephant is in the room. Guilt and shame for our own sin. You see, the way that God takes care of it is not by blaming someone else, not by denying its existence, but taking it and putting it on His perfect Son, the one who came and said, I will take that iniquity. God placed His Son in such a way as that He paid the penalty of our sin and through His resurrection broke the power of sin. And so here's the thing, would you like Jesus to reign in your heart today? Are you ready to submit to His will? You see, His response or our response to what Christ has done, to His kingship as He calls, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, believe On the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our response is to surrender to Christ and allow Christ to reign in our hearts. And let me tell you, I think there are many people here today that profess to be Christians that have not done that themselves. They might have said a prayer. They might have been baptized. They may have a certificate. But when it comes to reigning in his heart and letting him be king, we have not done that in the way we should. So our response to his kingship is to surrender to him and allow him to reign in our hearts and to let nothing else on that throne. Our response to the king of kings is to obey him and his word. When we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are asking for Christ to rule and to reign in each situation in our lives. In Philippians chapter 2, you'll see this on the screen. I believe we do As God has highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and has bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let me ask you here. Are you ready to bow before the King? Are you ready to submit to his rule? Do you see the need to have one in your life that you follow? Are you ready to continue just to follow your own self? We can see the end result of that. We see it in our children. We see it in our marriages. We see it in our life. We see the effects and the consequences of sin and our rebellion on a world that is just devastated by war, disease, and famine. All sorts of injustice. That's the effects of sin. And each and every one of us, our lives are marred by its effects. But God says that I can heal that. He heals the brokenhearted. I'd like to end with these closing words. To the king of ages, immortal, invincible, the only God, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Christ has come so he be king. Would you respond by having him the king of your life? With every head bowed and every eye closed. As we went through this, I wanted to share with you and prove to you that Jesus Christ is king. The children have learned that he is. As he accepted worship and praise from people, as he displayed his power, as he showed that he was alive, as he demonstrated his love, Jesus is that king. And today in your heart, would you respond by inviting him in and not only inviting him, but follow him through. I pray that you would call on him today. Father, we come before you this morning asking for your strength and power. Help us to see that you are king. Many of us are struggling with that. We are still like Adam. We are fighting, we're fighting rebellion against your, your call and against your, your commands. Father, I pray that you would slay our hearts and our spirit, replace our hearts with that fresh beating heart that will respond to your word. And For those here that profess Christ as king, Lord, I pray that you show them that the the following of someone who, who follows the king is to obey his commands. Lord, to follow your word. Lord, I pray that we would just proclaim your reign you are king. That should be our call. Our lives are shown in our surrender. We pray this in your name. Amen.
0: We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org.